There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between light and shadow, between science and superstition, and it lies between the pit of man's fears and the summit of his knowledge. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the twilight zone. It's interesting to note that at this point in the first season of the Twilight Zone, its its future wasn't really assured. Mr. Denton on Doomsday hadn't really garnered a particularly good rating, but on it went with another episode based very much on one of the aspects of the human condition. In the first episode it was loneliness, next it was mortality, and then redemption in the third episode. This time round it's about what it means to get older and how you approach that and deal with it. In tonight's episode of the Twilight Zone podcast we'll be looking at an episode called the 16mm Shrine. I won't be doing much in the way of synopsis because I find with this episode there isn't really that much in the way of twists and turns. Rod Serling presents us with a woman in a certain situation and the scenes that follow that really just serve to illustrate that situation even further. Now there is that element of escalation as well, these things happen to her and obviously affect her mental state and you know what happens after that but it's still pretty much all there in the first five minutes but let's see how we get on anyway and here's the 16mm shrine. Picture of a woman looking at a picture, movie grade of another time, once brilliant star in a firmament no longer a part of the sky eclipsed by the movement of earth and time. Barbara Jean Trenton, whose world is a projection room, whose dreams are made out of celluloid. Barbara Jean Trenton, struck down by hit and run years and lying on the unhappy pavement, trying desperately to get the license number of fleeting fame. Again, written by Rod Sailing, and originally aired on October 23rd, 1959. It was directed by a gentleman called Mitchell Leeson, who directed three episodes of The Twilight Zone in all, the other two being People Are Alike All Over and Escape Clause. Now, in my research into this one, I kept coming across people saying it had a lot of similarities to a Billy Wilder film that was made about nine or 10 years earlier called Sunset Boulevard. Now, I haven't actually seen that film, so, can't really comment on that, but it'll be interesting to check it out if I ever get the chance. We first see Barbara Jean Trenton in the screening room at her home that's going to be very important in this story because it's the place where she shut herself away from the world. She sits there all day watching these old films that she, she used to star in. Now there's a bit of foreshadowing in one of these opening scenes of what's to come later on. In the scene, her maid Sally goes into the room and she she can't see Barbara Jean at first, but when she does, she sees her coming from behind the projection screen in exactly the same pose as the younger Barbara Jean who's on the screen. Her agent Danny Weiss pays a call. Now, Danny's played by Martin Balsam, who was a very busy actor all the way up until his death in 1997. Being a big horror fan as I am, I'll always remember him for Psycho, 
but he's also got a few Twilight Zone credits under his belt too. He was in an episode of the original series called The New Exhibit as well as this one. And we'll get to that one down the line. But he was also in a couple of episodes of the 80s Twilight Zone. Which we may or may not get to down the line. Now that depends on whether there's really a demand for it at the time. And whether I really have the energy to do it in three years time when I get through all of the original series. So anyway, Danny knows what's going on here. And you can imagine that a lot of agents would have probably abandoned Barbara Jean by now. But you can tell he's a good man and he's got a lot of affection for us still. Daniel, fix yourself a drink. It's 11 in the morning. So it's 11 in the morning. So it's 11 in the morning and the sun is out. That's a beautiful day in Beverly Hills. There's no smog, it's 84 degrees, and it is lovely. I wonder what I'd do without your daily weather reports. Question is, Barbara, what do you do with them? You sit here in this air-conditioned cave showing one picture after another. Let's skip it. Bobby, it's no good, honey. None of this is any good. Look, if you won't fix yourself a drink, sit down and be quiet, will you? You know something, Daniel? You have a habit of looking poised, ready to spring. Danny comes round with good news. He's set up a meeting at a film studio called International for Barbara to try for a part. Now... When she hears this news, she's obviously delighted and she starts to reminisce about the old days, but you can see that she's still living in the past. She expects that she's going to get a part like the ones that she used to play 25 years ago and you can see Danny's face, you know, he's uh, he obviously knows that that's not really not the case. Oh, Danny, I hope it's a musical. Oh, I'd love to dance again. Or a love story. Oh, I'd give anything to play love scenes like I saw this morning. Scenes with Jerry Herndon. You know, we did three pictures together. I have a memory of you for my eyes, thoughts of you for my mind, and the touch of you for all of me. Oh, something like that. And then we did a night in Paris together. Barbara, you were much younger then. Go to the devil. Now, Barbara, honey, this is 1959. It's 25 years from night in Paris. And 26 years since you made Farewell Without Tears, that room across the hall is dark, it's damp, it's full of cobwebs. Now, come on, honey, snap out of it, snap out of this kick. You get your war paint on, I'll meet you over at Saul's office at 3 o'clock, okay? Okay, Danny. The meeting doesn't go well, and when Barbara hears that it's only a small part and she's going to be playing the mother in her 40s, she just explodes. You play a mother. How old a mother? Mm, 40-ish, but uh, very vibrant, very much alive. As opposed to what? A corpse? I don't play mothers, Mr. Saul. I never have and I won't start now. I also don't take bit roles. And you should know that. Come on, Danny, let's go. So the whole episode just sets Barbara back even more. She goes into total seclusion and she pledges to shut out the world. But to be more specific she pledges to shut out the modern world she's going to live in the past totally she's going to be in her room watching her films this is the world dan right in here from now on i keep the drapes drawn and doors locked i don't want any of the outside world coming in not the marty souls or the movies without sentiment actors in undershirts rock and roll jukeboxes not any of it if I shut my eyes, it all disappears. If I wish hard enough, I can wish it all away. 
All throughout the episode you keep hearing the name Jerry Hand and it's one of Barbara's leading men from the past and one day to try and break Barbara out of her seclusion. Danny brings Jerry over to see her. Now Jerry doesn't live in town anymore, he's been away for a long time. So Barbara hasn't seen him for probably about 20 years. So when he arrives, again it just doesn't go well. Barbara's been living in the past so much that she expects him to be the same as he used to be, but he's obviously an old man now. Jerry, unlike Barbara, has moved on with his life. When the acting stopped, he started to run a chain of supermarkets. Now, it's not the most glamorous of jobs, but you do get the sense that he's quite happy and accepting of his lot in life. It's a slightly uncomfortable scene because the moment Barbara walks into the office, her face just drops, and this really is the last straw for Barbara. When she sees Jerry's an older man now, she just breaks down, and poor Jerry bears the brunt of that breakdown. He's the one I expected. He's the one I wanted to have come and see me. But he's dead now. Dead like all the others. Barbie. Barbie, please. Go away, both of you. Please go away. Go away. So this brings us to the end. So spoiler warning if you haven't seen it. She goes back into her room and back to her films and that's when by the sheer power of her desire to be back to that place back up there on the screen, she makes a wish. There you are, Jerry. There you are. You look so young. So wonderfully young. There was a strange old man here a while ago who said he was you. Jerry, I wish I could be there with you. I wish I could be up there with you. I wish. So Sally the maid discovers that Barbara Jean has somehow entered onto the film, become a part of it, and to her credit, the moments played with real horror, Sally really can scream. She uh, she calls Danny and he comes over and he plays the film too, and up there on the screen is Barbara Jean, surrounded by all of the movie stars from the old days, and she stood on the staircase to her house. And as Danny calls out to her, she turns to the screen and holds out her handkerchief and she drops it to the floor. Now I think considering it's not a particularly horrific scene, as such it's played very well. The, the shock of the characters being confronted with this absolutely impossible situation and there's a quite sinister feeling to it which I think it needs because as twists go, well we'll get to that in a minute, but when Danny walks out into the hallway there on the floor is the handkerchief that he's just seen a drop on the screen and I'm reminded of that regret that Rod Serling had about not including that unexplained element in the episode where is everybody the item that crosses into different realities in that episode he didn't get to do it but in this one he does it with the handkerchief I've got to admit this is an episode of the Twilight Zone that I've got mixed feelings about from from what I've been reading over the past few days I do seem to be in the minority on that but here's my main problem 
I find that pretty much from the opening scenes of the 16mm shrine I know who Barbara Jean Trenton is, I can see exactly what path her life's taken. So when all throughout the episode these things keep happening just to reinforce that she's a woman who can't stop living in the past or longing for the past, it's driving home something that I already know and I find myself just waiting for the time when it it becomes a Twilight Zone episode, you know, that little bit of strangeness. It just seems to follow this path that she's in the house, she gets her hopes up for the part, her hopes are dashed, she gets her hopes up again when Jerry comes to town, her hopes are dashed again when she sees how old he looks. Like I say, I, I kinda knew what road she was on from the beginning, um, so there's really no twists and turns along the way that, that keep me interested, to be honest. That's not to say that I don't think it's a well-made piece of television. The scenes in themselves are very well done. The two standouts being those two scenes. I think it's a very well-balanced performance from Ida Lupino who plays Barbara Jean. On the one hand, Barbara Jean is a very sympathetic character. We do sympathise with what she's going through. It's a very human thing that a lot of us have to face ourselves. That feeling of not really being relevant anymore. But then there's the other side of it that if perhaps she would just adapt to the new world, she could still have a satisfying career as an actress. Maybe not with the parts that she used to play, but it's still got to be preferable to her life as a hermit in that room. And when the chance does come up to break the cycle, she, she thinks herself above it and she rejects it. And not only does she reject it, but she's rude, she's stubborn and she treats people terribly. Especially poor Jerry, so... I think it's a credit to uh, Ida Lupino that I actually still like Barbara Jean considering how unlikable she can be. I think you only really need to look at the actress Ida Lupino herself who gave the performance to see what Barbara Jean's life could have been like if she'd adapted. Ida Lupino was born in 1918 so she'd have been 41 when she played the part. Now obviously there's a very real stigma I think attached to getting older in the acting profession. Not everyone can grow old in the job. For some their youth is one of their selling points so when that goes so does the career. Um, but that wasn't really the case with Ida Lupino. Not only did she go on to have many credits in the 20 years following this episode but she was also a director too and she even directed an episode of the Twilight Zone called Masks, which was in the final season. So I'm going to be very curious to check that one out. Now, I don't know how many female directors there were around in those days, but considering how male-dominated it still is today, I think it must have been quite a feat. And apparently she's the only woman to have ever directed an episode of the Twilight Zone. And she's also the only person to star in an episode and direct an episode too. So even though that's it hasn't really got a bearing on the episode, I kind of like that element to it that Ida Lupino kind of proved her on-screen character wrong. I think the episode as a whole is a very old-fashioned episode. Obviously, it's supposed to be in some ways because we're dealing with a character living in the past, but the whole thing feels very old Hollywood to me. With, let's say, Mr. Denton on Doomsday, yes, it looks like a 50-year-old TV show, but it doesn't really feel dated to me. And when I say dated, I mean held back by the time it was made. I think dated is perhaps too strong a word for the 16mm shrine, but it definitely feels like a throwback to an earlier time 
more than the likes of Mr. Denton on Doomsday. Now this could actually be down to the man who directed the episode from the sounds of a couple of people who are very important in the Twilight Zone. First of all, Buck Houghton, he's a very important person in Twilight Zone history. He produced the first three seasons and he, he and Rod Serling seem to be a very good fit for each other working together. He said, I thought it was very well directed, largely because Mitch Leeson had a feeling for how people could get that way. He undoubtedly reminisced about the situations he'd been in when he was on top. And the director of photography, George Clements, agreed. He said, he still lived in the past. He drove his Rolls Royce, had a chauffeur, insisted on a lot pass and so forth. He wasn't getting enough money to live that way, but he was a real talented man in his day. Well, he was always talented, but he wasn't able to adjust to television. He wanted to make television like a feature picture. Now, Mitch Leeson went on to direct for another 9 or 10 years after this episode, but if you look back at his filmography, you can see that his glory days as a motion picture director were very much in the past at this point as he moved to television, but, you know, more power to him. He didn't just become a hermit, he rolled with it, he kept moving with the times, and he kept on directing until four years before he died in 1972. So to get back to the episode again, I don't necessarily dislike the ending, I do think it's perhaps lacking something. It's certainly got an element of the unexplained. You know, she gets into the film by the power of wishing, so there's no problem there. But I just guess it feels so very straightforward to me. I mean, the escalation of her, in, you know, her mental state is ramped up well to the point where it just reaches fever pitch. So it was probably that heightened emotional state that gave her the power to do what she did. But it's still lacking, you know, maybe a couple of twists and turns along the way in the story. I wouldn't call it a bad episode, but it's certainly not one of my favourites. And I think there are many, many better episodes, but I think it does its job well enough. It's an effective little reminder that if you spend your life living in the past, it's not really living at all. So, while Danny and Sally were, you know, horrified by what they saw on the screen there, it's not necessarily an unhappy ending. Barbara Jean went from a life of unhappiness to a kind of afterlife where she was, you know, young forever and surrounded by the people that she loved and who adored her too. So I guess it's easy to see the parallels there. And in the end, even Danny raised a smile. To wishes, Bobby. To the ones that come true. To the wishes that come true. To the strange mystic strength of the human animal who can take a wishful dream and give it a dimension of its own. To Barbara Jean Trenton, movie queen of another era, who has changed the blank tomb of an empty projection screen into a private world. It can happen in the Twilight Zone. Got someone I'd like to thank. If uh, if you go to the twilightzonepodcast.com, you will see that it's been spruced up a little bit. You know, it's easier to navigate now. There are clearer, defined places to go to see each season of the Twilight Zone podcast as we go through it. Now, obviously, most of those sections are empty right right now, but on the left you can see every season of the Twilight Zone podcast there, and every season of the Night Gallery podcast. So. It's going to be fun filling up those sections as we go along, you know, I guess it gives me something to shoot for as well. 
But I want to thank a, a guy by the name of Matt Dillon for putting all that together for me. Now, Matt's a good friend of mine, and he's the he's the owner of a site called GeekPlanetOnline.com. It's the site that hosts my horror podcast, The Gentleman's Grindhouse. So, yeah, I'll give him a little plug. It's a great site. A lot of podcasts there on a lot of different um, topics. You know, film, uh, technology, uh, horror, obviously, my podcast, and uh, comics, that kind of thing. So it's all there. So it's well worth a visit, and I, I hope you'll check it out. The next episode of the Twilight Zone podcast, we're going to be looking at the episode Walking Distance. This is an episode that I do remember being quite fond of, so I'm looking forward to revisiting that. Uh, So I do hope you'll join me, and remember if you have any comments on past podcasts, or you want to make a comment on one of the future episodes that I'll be covering, so I can put that comment in there, then do by all means get in touch. It's feedback at thetwilightzonepodcast.com, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye.